0: Hello and welcome to the Logistics Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsty Adams, editor of SHD Logistics Magazine. This is the pre-IMHX podcast. IMHX takes place between the 24th and the 27th of September at the NEC in Birmingham. We're the organisers, so we'll be there, and hopefully you will too. You can register for free at www.imhx.net but if you're not going this is still the podcast for you we're doing interviews with industry experts we're talking about topics such as brexit trends digital twinning urban logistics with people like alex harvey from ocado tessa english from jll and daniel allen from diamond logistics so it's relevant to all logisticians regardless we hope you enjoy the podcast Here is David Tran with the latest
1: industry news. Thanks, Kirsty. In this month's news across the UK logistics industry, JD Sports has selected XPO Logistics to optimise the UK supply chain for its Go Outdoors brand, integrating the distribution stock with other brands including Blacks, Millets and Ultimate Outdoors. To facilitate this, XPO has set up a 350,000 square foot distribution hub for JD Sports in Middlewich, Cheshire consolidating existing warehouse operations in Rochdale, West Hallam and Swandacote in order to integrate a branded direct-to-store supply chain. Meanwhile, in other news, Hermes has completed the construction of a third saltation tier and its fully automated Midland soup hub in Rugby. The £60 million project increases its existing output by 40% with the capability to process 1.35 million parcels each day. AO.com will provide large item deliveries for discount grocer Aldi through a new partnership. The electrical retailer will support Aldi's special buys service which currently sells wines and spirits online. Over the course of the three-year partnership, AO will also begin to deliver a larger products, which requires two people, including furniture and sports equipment. John Lewis' partnership said it would not be continuing its relationship with the Today Development Partners, which was to explore opportunities around automated online fulfilment. In May, Waitrose and Partners said it had signed a deal with TDP to develop three new customer fulfillment centers with state-of-the-art technology. The company said it had outlined plans to further strengthen online capabilities this year with a new customer fulfillment center in Enfield as a springboard towards trebling the size of its online grocery ro- operation to a £1 billion business over the next three years. And finally, final preparations are being made for this year's International Materials Handling Exhibition at the NEC Birmingham on September the 24th to the 27th. The event is set to attract over 16,000 visitors over the course of the week, with over 80 speaking sessions and over 100 hours of live content over four days. BMW, Coca-Cola, Ocado, the Health and Safety Executive, Nestle and Jack Wills are among some of the high-profile speakers at the event on centre stage. This is complemented by a stellar conference agenda from the most reputable suppliers in the market in the Logistics Solutions Forum Theatre, as well as a comprehensive lineup created by AMSA, the Automated Material Handling Systems Association, in the Meet the Experts Theatre and women Logistics by the CILT on Wednesday's Centre Stage Programme. Over 450 exhibitors are also set to unveil their latest materials handling solutions at the largest UK logistics industry event on the calendar, meaning there are plenty of options for visitors looking for inspiration in developing their materials handling capabilities. IMHX is a free-to-attend event, visitors can go to www.imhx.net to register for a free visitor pass. And that's the news from me. Here is David Tame for the latest news in the UK logistics property sector.
2: Thank you David and now time for the property news.
3: The
0: minute you walked in the joint
4: I could see you were a man of distinction a real big spender good looking
5: so refined
2: and it's all about money this month all about money again the logistics property sector is a global magnet for investors and the summer months were no exception investors were piling in infrared embarked on a 200 million pound push into the industrial property sector. American investors Thor Equity launched a dedicated logistics division. South African Real Estate Investment Trust Barwood Capital, in their partnership with British Airways Pension Trustees, made a tidy £30.7 selling a warehouse occupied by Puma. The list of occupier transactions is not quite so long. During the summer, it looks like most of those occupiers who could sit on their hands chose to sit on their hands. Brexit uncertainty was certainly playing a part in their decision making here. Among the handful of deals we did get was an announcement that Ocado, the food distribution business, the online grocer, is to establish a fifth fulfilment centre, this time at per fleet in Essex. They're taking just over 300,000 square feet. And in a massive boost to the Midlands industrial market, Jaguar Land Rover revealed that they were in talks with IM properties about a 2.9 million square feet, I'll repeat that, 2.9 million square feet auto parts distribution centre near Birmingham. This was to handle the distribution of after-sale parts and discussions are understood to be ongoing about a 238-acre site at Appleby Magna. The picturesquely named location is in fact close to the rather less picturesque junction 11 of the M42 motorway. It's a big coup for IM Properties, who also control the 2.7 million square feet Pedimore site near Sutton Coalfield, which will be one of Birmingham's most significant new logistics sites in the coming decade. And the coming decade is probably what worries many occupiers and some investors and many developers at the moment. And of course, Brexit has a huge impact on that. A lot of discussion has focused around actions that could mitigate the effect for the logistics property sector, and one of those might be the idea of free ports. Free ports are quite simply a way of moving the customs border of the UK a little bit inland so that goods can be loaded and unloaded at ports and customs duties aren't payable. Most of the ports in this country that are capable of taking substantial traffic are in a handful of landlords' hands. And getting development on those sites is going to require the cooperation of that small handful, one must be careful not to say cartel, but it is a very small handful of people who own land around substantial ports. It's also going to require a great deal of money. And that's where this gets complicated, back to money again. It isn't clear that investors have sufficient confidence in the Freeport idea, at least not at this stage, to risk the upfront spending that would turn a Freeport from a novel and innovative idea into a real economic powerhouse. There's all kinds of reasons for that, and one of which is it's barely being tested in the UK. We simply don't know how it works, and nobody is going to spend vast sums of money on new warehousing and lesson until they're quite sure. So we're back where we started, back to the money, and back to the big spenders. Hey.
0: I'm here with the talent behind the scenes of IMHX, with my director Rob Fisher, who's worked on the event since 2005, uh, with my colleague John Martin, who looks after the exhibitors, with uh, Rihanna Kettle, who's the brains behind the marketing, and David Tran, who pulled together a fantastic speaker program. David, which stage are you most looking forward to?
1: Centre stage. It's uh, a comprehensive lineup of speakers from 3PL to retailers to car manufacturers as well. So Ocado and Coca-Cola and BMW are some of the stellar names that will be featuring at IMHX.
0: Uh, Which speaker are you most looking forward to?
1: Ian Heppelwhite. he'll be the keynote speaker for the Thursday programme. He'll be talking about automation and BMW's uh, programme within that spectrum. So,
2: yeah.
0: That sounds good. Joel, what are you most looking forward to about IMHX?
2: Just interacting with all our exhibitors and our visitors. We've got a lot of brand new exhibitors, so I'm interested to see what they're going to be showcasing. And just to really get a feel for where the industry is at the moment, people.
0: Can you give me an example of one of the exhibitors that haven't exhibited before?
2: Yeah, we've got Six River, an automation company. They're coming over from the US. So yeah, keen to uh, see what they've got to offer.
0: Rob, I think it's probably worth finding out who your top exhibitors are.
6: And that's like asking me who my favourite child is, to be yeah. perfectly honest. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to be very politician I can duck out of that question and uh, talk about something completely different. Yeah. All of our exhibitors are really important to us. And as Joel's already said, it, the exciting time now is seeing what's happening on the show floor. I'm in quite a unique position because I get to see the halls completely empty to... The start of build, midway through build, when build's completed, uh, and they're obviously on the opening day on the Tuesday. But some of the plans I've seen so far are are fantastic, and we're going to have some really engaging exhibitors.
0: Why should
6: logistics professionals attend IMHX, Rob? It's the only place where you can see hundreds, if not thousands, of solutions all under one roof. The great thing about exhibitions is not the exhibitors that you know you want to go and see. It's the ones that you come across that you didn't realise were in the market or had a solution that can help you with your business. And that's really the powerful part. We've also, as David's alluded to, built a fantastic speaker programme this year. So we've got Philip Shaw from Investec. Investec are our, our, our headline sponsor for IMHX. And Philip's going to be tackling the Brexit question, which obviously is going to be a big debating point. Very topical at this time um, and I'm particularly looking forward to seeing uh, or to hearing from Lisa Ramos again who's a very inspirational speaker who's, uh, who's speaking within our Logistics Solutions Forum area.
0: When are you arriving, Rob?
6: So I'm there from this Thursday which is the 19th in the afternoon when we set up our organiser's office all the way through to the exit which is on Saturday the 28th. Yeah. quite a long time. 10 days yes. Okay, yes. Yeah. Is it a full house Rob? Yes uh, my fantastic sales team have sold every nook and cranny. <laughs> uh, we've even got some of the carpet sponsored <laughs> so uh, mm. we're very proud where we've ended up. We've got more exhibitors than we've ever had and the Overall footprint of the show is bigger than we've ever had, so uh, it's been a fantastic team effort. And also the exhibitors are on board as well, so you can see the enthusiasm and you can hear from what they're telling us uh, that they're really looking forward to the event.
0: I think when I go to exhibitions, it's really important that the people on the stand engage with visitors. So people listening right now, um, what can they expect from the stands at
6: IMHX? They should expect a professional um, and warm welcome. We do a lot around trying to get exhibitors to do the right thing. So uh, insofar as training guides, uh, lots of information that can help them with uh, their sales teams when they're on their stands. But I think the main thing for visitors to do is go and engage with the exhibitors. Go with projects in mind. Go with an idea of what you want to achieve from the show rather than just turning up and meeting a few people actually have a game plan before you come on site look at the floor plan strategically plan out your day because believe me when you arrive at nine o'clock you will not realise how quickly the time slips through your fingers especially if there's two or three key sessions you want to go and look at plus the fortlift truck demonstration area as well where we've got seven presentations per day happening twice from seven different exhibitors twice a day for each one so there's a lot to get round, a lot to see in what is a fairly short space of time.
0: So that's a good point. How can visitors plan ahead of the event? Re, is that something you can share on? There is a lot to think about. I think the first well the best point of call is definitely looking at our website. It's um all the resource you need is there. We've got a FAQ page for you know facilities questions at the NEC, we've got a fully interactive exhibitor list where you can you know filter down if you're looking for products in particular, you can filter those down and find the companies which have the right solutions for you. Um, we also have like a fully interactive um, seminar programme as well so you can have a look at all the sessions on the days that you're attending, which is very helpful. Um, and also we've got the two um, preview issues for the SHD Logistics uh, on our yes. website as well, so yes. there it's all there. So the September issue, which has loads of information about IMHX, is available on www.shdlogistics.com. Just hit magazine, back issues, and you'll have the September digital edition in front of you. So please do have a look at that if you'd like to plan your visit. However, if you don't have time to look up the issue, the good news is over the next 20 minutes, I'm going to take you around some of the speakers and what they are planning on speaking about. Now, the first one is Alex Harvey from Accardo Technology. Alex is the general manager for warehouse automation and embedded systems. He will be speaking on the center stage at 10.45 on Tuesday, the 24th of September. I started off by asking Alex what he plans to talk about at IMHX.
7: I will be discussing how digital twins are a vital ingredient in the development of automation systems, and especially when considering AI and robotics. Digital Twins are the technology that really brings AI and robotics to life and enables it to be used much more effectively. I hope that the key message is that Digital Twins are not just a frivolous showing off of a fancy tech company like Accardo or some new buzzword. Digital Twins have been instrumental in the development of Accardo's business for many years and indeed this technology has been supporting Accardo's most strategic decisions behind the scenes as we've built each of our CFCs. And the technology continues to grow in its sophistication and in how it helps us make ever better decisions, looking for ever greater optimizations and efficiencies. Yes, AI and robotics are the key new technologies that will transform logistics and warehousing and many other sectors in years to come. But digital twins are the key ingredients and amplify the impact of these new technologies and allow them to make use of them in one's operation with much greater confidence of the end result. And it's that confidence of the end result that really allows one to be confident in making the initial investment and commitment to adopt these technologies and to find a way to make them work within your own business. Automation, logistics and robotics, AI, these are already uh, being adopted in the industry. Within the next five years, I think the key is going to be how to effectively combine the talents of people working in warehouses and logistics who are great at dealing with uncertainty, who have great background understanding and, and understanding of the world and how to solve problems, with the capability of robotics and AI systems which can deal with massive amounts of data and look for patterns that are too subtle for humans and perform highly repetitive tasks with loads which are unergonomic and risk injuries. And because within the next five years it is really inconceivable that we will have a lights-out warehouse, there is still too much complexity for current state-of-the-art robots to be able to handle and AI systems unaided. But how humans collaborate with robots and AI through sort of environments such as digital twins and augmented reality and virtual reality will really provide the kind of the defining benefit for companies who are able to master this technology and master the integration of the technology with its human workforce in the most optimised way rather than doing it for the sake of doing it which is often a temptation
0: Next up we have Gavin Williams Supply Chain Managing Director UK and Ireland from XPO Logistics He'll be speaking alongside David Hicks Supply Chain Director UK and Ireland from Nestle They're talking at 10am on Friday the 27th of September Gavin, you're planning to speak alongside David about transformation at Nestle in partnership with XPO Can you tell me about that?
8: Sure, yeah. So, so we're best part of two-thirds of the way through a two-year design delivery experience within the East Midlands Gateway. So now feels like a great time to kind of share what's going on uh, at the site. So David and I have kind of probably shared two key things with you, really. One is how we're using the very latest technology and automation to completely re-engineer an end-to-end process for Nestlé supply chain. And the second thing is how we're going to use an innovation lab which has been set aside within the distribution centre to again design and test brand new technology so that it consistently evolves so that we can keep on top with brand new innovations within the business and see how they can be applied to both Nestle and XPO's global supply chains. So who works within the innovation lab? It'll be people from uh, Nestle, it'll be people from XPO, so design technicians. It'll also people from our supplier base who will help us to look at technologies and see how they can be best deployed within the environment. But ultimately, there'll be Nestle and XPO employees that get the benefit.
0: And would you say that kind of creates a bit of a startup environment inside a bigger organization?
8: We're really hell-bent on the fact that Uh, the digital distribution centre of the future isn't about what happens on day one it's about a consistently evolving picture so it's no good having a design for the future that finishes when we go live it's got to consistently evolve so it's an ethos but it's also a facility that can be used to as I say design and test so it's set aside to make sure the continuous improvement culture continues.
0: How are you recruiting people that match those types of roles within that kind of innovative environment?
8: Yeah, that's a very good question. So if you're designing a depot, which is a digital distribution center of the future, we need employees that are able to meet those new needs. So we are doing a full review of the job descriptions and requirements for every employee to make sure that they are firstly fit for the future. Secondly, we can employ them against the right job specification. But more importantly is to make sure that they're empowered to do their jobs. So we'll allow technology to enable people to know what tasks they're going to be redeployed on, what skill sets they need and therefore make a great place to work using technology.
0: So Amy Shortman is Director of Product Marketing for Overhaul. Amy will also be speaking on the Tuesday at 3.30. I asked Amy what she hoped delegates would take away from her session at IMHX.
4: So a key takeaway from my presentation would be I would like the audience to understand that through using technology and starting on the journey of digitizing their supply chain, they will see enhancements and benefits with regards to traceability and accountability, that they can implement real-time risk mitigation through data and a platform that can actually speak to them in terms of telling them when something is going wrong or any non-conformances, and actually being able to correct that in real time. While speaking with Amy, I
0: asked her what trend she'd started to see in the industry.
4: Over the next five years, one of the biggest trends that I'm seeing with warehousing is the desire from customers to actually have a more intelligent warehouse that can tell them where their product is and the condition the product is actually stored in and the processes that are going to be utilised in terms of handling their products within that environment being very compliant. I also thought it would be a good idea to speak to
0: one of the visitors ahead of IMHX. Dan Allen is from Diamond Logistics. I spoke to him to find out why it's important to have educational events at the moment and also his views on how he's preparing for Brexit.
3: I think there are, again, certain efficiencies that I want to look at or innovations that I want to look at in the fulfilment space, the storage and fulfilment space. Um, technology we've got pretty much sewn up, so it's not something I'm looking at there. But but also, I think, listening to other people's view on Brexit and how that might potentially affect the UK logistics industry as a whole. We can all make our own individual assumptions. So it's all about putting plans in place for almost every eventuality. Of course, you can't cover everything. But the way that we are combating any potential outcome is really centred around customs clearance. So we're quite fortunate enough to have a newly developed operating platform and that gives us additional flexibility in in the way that we can approach our clients' need for clearing goods either out from the UK or or, or inbound into the UK. We've kind of as Brexit-proofed our IT solution as we possibly can do, and that comes down to making sure that we are linking in via APIs to the government website for the commodity code and being able to have our customers give our customers solid advice as to how they can best raise the correct commercial paperwork for any eventuality going forward.
0: I asked Dan, how can we perform same-day deliveries in the most sustainable
3: way? I think it's through the effective utilisation of a national fleet. And, you know, I've been part of the same-day industry for a, a fair few years now in the UK, and I do see a lot of inefficiency. And I think technology is is very much needed to drive efficiency into same-day operations. And it's very much at the forefront of what we're doing as a network. So we are looking to utilize a collective nationwide fleet very efficiently through backloading, through reducing of stem mileage, so that's one very key part of what we're doing through a fulfillment network um, coupled together with that same day capability. So our customers are able to um, store their products across a range of different sites across the UK. So it reduces the amount of mileage spent on the road to on a dedicated basis. So acting as consolidation points across the UK is vital for us ensuring that we are sustainable as a business, but second of all, that we are looking at the effects on the environment for running vehicles without anything in them, or indeed, you know, a a large vehicle with just one item in it, which is something that we see quite a lot in the industry.
0: Another speaker at the event is Tessa English, and I asked her about sustainability.
9: So I think sustainability is something that's going to be high up on everyone's agenda going forward, and it will impact, you know, the supply chain as well. It won't just be the retailers' In the shop fronts, talking about what they're doing to reduce their carbon emissions, they'll have to think about their whole supply chains and that's how they're going to get their goods from their warehouses to their shops as well or from their warehouses to people's homes when who do their online shopping and everything like that. So I think sustainability is going to be a trend that's really going to have an impact in the market going forward.
0: When I talk with um, Tessa and her colleagues at JLL, there is always a lot of discussion around London because there's a lot of lessons to be learnt with dealing with densely populated areas. Here is Tessa with more.
9: I think there's a lot you can learn from across the globe. I've been quite lucky recently. At JLL we've formed city logistics team, which I'm part of, and part of that we have actually gone out to other parts of the world to look at some examples which have helped us when we've been talking to investors and developers in the UK about intensification. I've been out to Singapore this year and also over to Paris. I think in Paris, we might talk about multi-storey, multi-level buildings, but in Paris what we saw was parcel operators working out of car parks. So, you know, when you get into London, there's so many underutilised car parks in London, particularly as people don't drive into London as much as they used to with the congestion charge zone and all of that. So you've got space in London which really could be utilised as industrial space, which is already there, it's built and it's usable. I've spoken to some parcel operators who are actually... Getting vehicles that can fit into car parks so that they can then utilise and use car parks. And there are some examples of car parks being used in London as well. So it's great to see something that's been happening in Paris for almost 10 years already and is starting to happen in London too. Out in Singapore we saw multi-storey and multi-level buildings. And the really interesting thing I found from the multi-story buildings more was that you're you're on the third floor of a building. It's twelve meters eaves height, and it's got a floor loading of around about twenty five thirty kilonewtons. In the UK, you would say that you'd need a minimum of fifty kilonewtons per square meter. So already, you can see there are buildings that are standing elsewhere in the world where you don't necessarily need the exact same specification, which has always been the standard in the UK. We could look at specifications again and see that these buildings can stand they can operate you can keep these really heavy goods and materials in these buildings on the third or fourth floor or whatever and the buildings work and the floors hold up so I think there's quite a lot that you can learn from elsewhere and take those take those principles back to the UK to share and probably educate with people who you work with every day who are looking at industrial intensification
0: so it's not just speakers and visitors I wanted to focus on. I wanted to speak to an exhibitor too. Steiner Overbeck Cook is the Chief Technology Officer from Element Logic. They're launching a brand new product at IMHX, which I think sounds really interesting. And here's Steiner with more information on it.
5: We are exhibiting two products really. Uh AutoStore, which is not really new because it's something we've been doing for donkey gears, it feels like that anyway, but the brand new thing is the robotic piece picking solution, which we're showcasing uh, in Birmingham, so I think it's uh, pretty, if it's not first at least, it's amongst the first, and uh, where, we ha- where we integrate the robotic piece picking with Autostore, so it's uh, a bunch of robots talking to a bunch of other robots, so we think that's rather exciting.
0: That does sound exciting. And why should people come and visit you at IMHX? Because I think we've found something brand new. I mean, it's not like
5: robots are not new and robotic piece picking is not new. But the solution that we're showing, the new thing is that we can pick items that we've never seen before. We don't need any programming. Basically, we have a pair of eyes, vision, if you like, connected to the system, so we actually we'll peek into the to the bin and then we'll pick it without ever having seen it before. And I, I think that's uh, that's newsworthy and worthwhile having a look at. And we're ready. It works.
0: With Steiner being a CTO, I thought it would be interesting to get his perspective on how the logistics industry can unite technology and staff in future.
5: Humans are actually needed because there's no such thing as a perfect Computer or a perfect robot. And quite frankly, all this about artificial intelligence, well, that is artificial, so to speak. No pun intended, actually. There's no intelligence in these systems whatsoever. They're all machines being programmed by software engineers. Unfortunately, these robots and machines, they need supervision by humans. I think the, the main challenge here, really, is that the task, undertaken by humans in the future will be much more interesting. I mean, we won't be needing so many people, but we will need more skilled people, because basically the mundane task of just picking something from one place and putting it somewhere else, Now that's something which the robots can do very well. But the robots need assistance, they need to be looked after, and that needs to be done by a human. So I just think that humans will still be needed, not as many, but they will have much more interesting tasks.
0: I hope from what you've heard, this will give you a bit more insight into what we'll be discussing at IMHX. It's a really important place to share ideas, to share challenges, and network with other people in the same position as us. brings us to the end of our IMHX preview podcast. I hope this has given you some good insight into the event, but that you've also simply enjoyed some really interesting interviews. If you are coming to the event, which I hope you are, you can find me facilitating on the centre stage on the morning of the 24th, that's the Tuesday um, of September. I'll also be doing interviews on the SHD Logistics stand so please track me down if you'd like to be featured on our next podcast which is the post IMHX podcast um, which will be released in October Myself and the wider team would love to hear your comments on this podcast and the back catalogue we are open to any suggestions you may have for content so please do email me at Adams at informer com next podcast as mentioned is out in october where we're going to have more interviews with logisticians more interviews with expert speakers and feedback on some of the fantastic products being demonstrated on the show floor see you then